Welcome to Life Over Coffee podcast. This is Rick Thomas. Thank you for joining me for this podcast. Life Over Coffee is the podcast where we answer questions that come in and do all sorts of things, trying to deal with situational difficulties that people are going through, relational problems, questions that they have. If you have a question that you would like for me to deal with, you want me to put it in a 30-minute podcast, that may be possible. If it's applicable to everyone, which most questions are, just write in and ask. Say, hey, would you consider this as a podcast? And I would be glad to consider it. That's what I want to do here. This is episode number 145, and the question that I'm dealing with today is my spouse is teaching our children different political views from what I have. I want to deal with that issue. We are living in a highly politicized climate here in the United States, and I'm sure that you are aware of that. So this is not a surprise question or a surprise tension that is within a family dynamic and extended family dynamic in this age of political unrest. Emotions are running high. Views are all are all over the map. And so how do you respond to your spouse's opinions when they are different from yours? And those perspectives are influencing your children. That is the specific thing that I want to deal with in this podcast, episode number 145. You can go there and get the show notes. I have these bullet points, these 12 ideas that I want to share with you in a bullet, bullet point format. Perhaps you want to discuss this. We have a free community forum that you can come on, get on and, and ask your question. Be sure to uh, get your username and password. That is free also, and you can jump on our forums and you can ask your question. If you are a supporting member of our community, thank you so much for supporting us. It is because of your support that we can do what we do, make videos, write articles, do podcasts like this, publish books. By the way, do you have my latest book, Change Me, The Ultimate Life Change Handbook? I have a second book coming out real soon. I'm talking about days. I'll tell you about that when it comes out, but our second book, but it's our supporting members who make that possible. And if you can support us, would you do that? It helps for as little as $5 a month. You can help us take the practical gospel of Jesus Christ around the world, and I would be so grateful. I received this note today. I'm not going to share the name of the individual, but I do want you to hear what this lady said. She said, I want to thank Rick and his team we have a great team. There's seven or eight of us that work together. We're all over the country. We have virtual offices. We use technology redemptively, the redemptive purposes and possibilities of technology. We do use technology redemptively. We communicate with each other probably seven days a week. I think that might be true. It's, it's easy to do, but we're always talking to each other. Our inner office cyber team, regardless of where we are strewn all over the United States and Canada, by the way, our international office is in Alberta, Canada. 
but we can use technology redemptively, and we have a wonderful team, and it's growing because of our supporting members. We can hire more people to accomplish more. The ministry is growing so well, and I'm really humbled and encouraged by it as we are now in our second decade of operation, and God is expanding our reach globally and reaching so many lives as this lady here is is saying she says i want to thank rick and his team at rickthomas.net for all that you do i first heard about your website about a year ago it was during one of the many times todd frill at wretched radio thank you todd a, a good friend of mine he referenced an article of yours on his radio show i currently browse your site one to two times a week now we need to get that up a little bit how about how's about one one time a day or four or five times a week. That would be great. She says, I recently left a church that, among other issues, over-spiritualized everything. While it may be a given and come naturally to, for you to provide biblical and practical content for growing in God through life's difficulties, this is something still very new to me. Every article that I have come across on this site has uniquely blessed me. Your content is unlike anything I was surrounded by growing up. However, your content both encourages me to grow and guides me in the process of growth in the area where it truly and eternally matters in the Lord. Only God makes things grow. Amen. We're watering and planting. That's what we do. I'm God's water boy. She says, thank you for planting and watering. I hope my few words encourage you all. Know that you are edifying and strengthening God's kingdom one soul at a time. I titled this new friend. I'm not going to share her name. If you would like to write in and share, I'd be glad to put it on our uh, website. We have a page called Thank You for This Ministry, and there are scores of comments like this, big and small, as far as lengthwise. And if you want to share your edification, uh, it does encourage our team as, as we shared this comment internally. Julie sent it to us uh, this morning, and we all got to read it. Julie's one of our team members. We all got to read it and mutually benefit from it, and I commented that it's, it's motivating and affirming. It reminds us of what we are doing. We're helping lives. Uh, God is helping lives through this ministry more accurately, and so thank you for that. And then someone wrote in and said, hey, my spouse is teaching a different uh, political views than what I believe. How would you? How can you help me with this? And with this podcast, I flatten it out. And what I mean by flattening flattening it out is that I'm not going to share the person's name, geographic location, or anything that would point back to them. That's not what this is about. But I I want us all to benefit uh, from this, especially those who live in the states and there's such political unrest. And so let me jump in it, and again, if you want to comment on this or ask questions about it, please do that. Go to our website, rickthomas.net, jump on the forum and say, hey, can you really help me work through this some more? I have more questions or other thoughts, and it would be real beneficial. So here are 12 things in no particular order. Again, you can get these bullet points by going to episode 145 titled, My Spouse is Teaching. 
our children different political views. Number one, and I, this is maybe one of the most important things that you're going to hear, that these are secondary issues. The gospel is always the primary thing, as we like to say. The gospel is the main thing. And so one of the things that you're going to have to discern here is that are we, we talking about immoral issues? Are we talking about sin? Now, let me give you a couple of illustrations of issues that aren't immoral, at least not in my view. For example, young earth, young earth versus old earth are not immoral issues. There are good people, Christian people, on both sides of of this debate, and this debate is going to go on until until Jesus comes, until we until we are with our Lord. And so, there's two parts to this point here. One, there's secondary issues. The gospel is the main thing, and then you have to ask. The question, are we talking about immoral issues, illustration, young earth versus old earth, or being right or left-leaning, being in the left camp or the right camp are not necessarily sinful things. And so you have to ask this question of yourself. Uh, what are we talking about here? But you must make sure that the gospel is is always the main thing, and you need to parse this out. Now, I realize that within this, there will be, I mean, you can put in, in one column, for example, secondary issues that are not immoral, and then you can put in the other column, you know, these are different opinions, and there are they are immoral. And, and so we don't want to categorically clump everything into one one big pile and say these are things that we're going to divide over. Uh, this is the problem that's in our culture today. We are dividing, of course, we're all dividing over secondary issues, and you can put them in the categories of left and right, and we can't come together and talk, and that's unfortunate. I have other links here to other articles, and I've, I've written quite a few, uh, well, a handful on political type things, and I would encourage you to read those. And in one of the recent podcasts that I did, I was talking about that I I enjoy interacting with folks who believe differently than I do as long as we can interact in a civil way. And I would say 99.9% of the time, I can interact with people with different viewpoints than I do, and we can do that in a civil way. And as long as we can do that, I mean, that's fantastic, and we should be able to do that. If you are a Christian, you should be leading the charge in civility. And so number one, these are secondary issues. The gospel is the main thing, and within that, are we talking about moral issues, immoral issues? Are we talking about sin or not? Number two, God God saves children because of grace, not because of political perspectives. And so regardless of what your children, or whatever, regardless of what your political perspective, anybody's political perspective, you, your spouse, your children, any other person, that's not how you become a Christian. And this is tied to point number one. We want to focus on the main thing. God saves conservatives. <laughs> he saves liberals, too. He saves atheists. He saves agnostics. He saves Baptists, praise God. Uh, he saves anyone. Uh, so God saves children, but it's all by grace, and not by 
not because of political perspectives. And so the door over salvation is not are you a Republican or a Democrat or Libertarian or whatever it is. And so you you really do want to dial in on this main thing idea and, and don't get caught up in and thinking that this is totally going to derail your children. I'll talk more about that in just a moment. But this point is really simple. God saves children because of grace. If your children get to heaven, it will be because of the grace of God, not because of their political viewpoints. Number three, children have many shaping influences, but God's grace is more significant than them all. Now I want to expand on this idea. Point number one, these are secondary issues, not main issues. Point number two, God saves children because of grace, not political perspective. Number three, children have many shaping influences, but God's grace is more significant than them all. One of the things that I like to say about all of us is that we are totally depraved, but we are uniquely fallen. Total depravity means that every part of our being, including our, our mind, including our soul, our mind, the noetic effect of, of sin, how it affects our mind, our souls, our physicality, organic, non-organic, physical, spiritual, is totally corrupted. It, that does not mean that that we are as bad as we could possibly be, but it does mean that we have the potential of being far worse than what we are because everything about us is totally depraved. But within that total depravity, we are also uniquely fallen. And what I mean by uniquely fallen is that every child is different. Every individual is different. I put it within the child framework because that's what I'm talking about here in this podcast. And also, if you have more than one child, you know that. If there are more than one, if there's more than one child running around your home, you, you see the uniqueness of that child. All of your children are totally depraved, but each one of them is uniquely fallen. Now, what that means is that their unique fallenness is a shaping influence. I have an article that I've I've written where it's titled, The Gay Guy Says That I Was Born That Way, and I make the case that that's probably true. It could very well be true that you can come into this world with a proclivity, a propensity, a desire for same-sex relationships. I have my own unique fallen issues. If you want to read that article, you're welcome to read it. But everybody is shaped differently out of the womb. And, and so they're going to come out with different perspectives, different ideas, different ways of thinking. And again, you see that in your children. But here's the point. God's grace is more significant than that shaping influence, how you were born. But there's more shaping influences than just your total depravity and your unique fallenness. There's also parental shaping influences, cultural shaping influences, academic shaping influences, not just the education that you receive, but also your IQ. 10% of the population has an IQ that's under 85. 10% of the population has an IQ that is over, I think, 115. I, I, may, I may have missed that, but uh, the point is, is that there is a distribution and there is a inborn strata as far as IQ, so it could be academic training. It could be also be your IQ and other 
educational type things. Uh, and that influences the decisions that we make. A person with an IQ that's under 35 versus one that's over 115 is going to think differently. Those are shaping influences. There's also peer shaping influences. Your friends influence you. And everybody knows that there are media shaping influences, whether it's our news outlets or social media, other social media platforms like Facebook, for example. But these are powerful shaping influences that come into our lives. Now, what I've just listed here are half a dozen things that shape how we view things, our total depravity, our unique fallenness, how our parents raised us, the culture shapes us, academic shaping influences, peer shaping influences, and media shaping influences. But my point is God's grace is more significant than them all. Point number four, every child has to overcome many things that hinder them from faith in God. Now, I'm taking this this idea of God's grace a little bit farther, but every child has something to overcome. I've given you a list of many shaping influences. Let's break it down just a little bit more. A kid from Queens, New York, one of the boroughs, in New York, will have more than differing political perspectives to overcome. Imagine what it would be like to be reared in uh, Jackson Heights or Elmhurst, and uh, unless you've been there, it's hard to get your mind around what it would be like to be born in that kind of culture, or maybe Brooklyn, where your backyard front yard is, is, is a street. And that's how you were reared, and you're heavily influenced. Well, let me let me say this to you. A kid from Queens will have more than differing political perspectives to overcome. Someone from the inner city of Detroit may come to Christ from a sing- single-parent home. A child from the South may come to Christ from an abusive father dynamic. That's an autobiographical statement right there. I've shared my testimony in several places on our website in article format as well as podcasts. I'm not going to do that here, but you can read that if you want. And I I will assure you that uh, on the spectrum of problems to overcome, differing political views was so far down on the list that uh, I don't even recall how much that had an influence over me. I had so many other problems similar to the inner city kid in Detroit or the child that's born in Elmhurst in Queens, New York. A person from California may be reared by gay parents. The point is that no matter where you're from, you're going to come to Christ from chaos, from disorder, from dysfunction, from futility. These are all ideas from Scripture. In Ephesians 4, 17, it talks about the futility of the mind. That's what unbelievers are. Our minds are futile, 1 Corinthians 2, 14. Uh, the natural man doesn't understand the, the things of God. They are spiritually discerned. The very idea of being restored, as we see in Galatians 6, 1, of course, is, is talking about restoring a person that's caught in sin. The word restore, kartetizo, uh, the idea is bringing them from chaos to order. And so whether you're from Queens or the inner city of Detroit or 
uh, a redneck like me from the South or a person from California, you're going to have a lot to overcome. But whatever it is, you're going to come out of chaos, disorder, dysfunction, and futility. This idea of being reared, and I'm not minimizing this problem at all, and I don't want you to hear that, but for some of us, honestly, that is the biggest problem that we have in, in our parenting is how to rear our children in a conservative, from a conservative worldview. That is our biggest problem because we're not in Queens, New York. We're not in the inner city of Detroit, or we don't have gay parents. Our dysfunction is minimal. This is almost like a white conservative problem. Now, again, I'm not minimizing it, but I do want to bring perspective. And the point that I'm making here is that everybody comes from chaos and disorder. But that ties back into the points that I've been making already. It's the grace of God. God's grace is greater than all of our sin, than all of our problems, all of our backgrounds, and whatever the chaos and the negative and sinful and evil influences that have come into us, God's grace is greater. Point number one, these are secondary issues, not main issues. Point number two, God saves children because of grace. Point number three, children have many shaping influences. Point number four, we all have to overcome our various forms of chaos and disorder. Point number five, do not be a fear-based parent. Teach your children from faith, not from a heart of fear. Now, you have to take your soul to task, and you have to ask yourself, am I parenting from fear? Am I reacting to something? Have I become, have I become or am I becoming overcome by the noise in our culture? How much is it influencing me and creating this fear to where the grace of God is not even over, overcoming my own insecurities and my own fear? Point number six, every spouse has different opinions. Every spouse has different preferences. Every spouse has different ideas than the other spouse. Now, this should be obvious. It is 100% absolute, without question, impossible to marry your exact clone. And who would want to? Adam and Eve are different. Now, regardless of what our culture teaches, there is not equality. We are different. We're different in every, all kinds of ways, not just physically different, but the way that we think is different. And you're not going to marry a person who thinks like you, who is like you, enjoys everything that you enjoy, and toes the line on everything that you toe the line on. Now, I know this is obvious, but we're all different, and that's what you want, by the way. You want somebody who's diverse from you. You want somebody who's not like you because you're missing so much. There's so much that you don't have, and your spouse brings that to the party. Your, your spouse makes you a better person because your spouse is different from you. Now, sin is in the mix, and I understand that. And because sin is in the mix, sometimes our differences become so aggravating that we can't benefit. We can't leverage our assets because of the liabilities, and the liabilities become stronger than the assets until they become divisive. 
But you want different opinions. I want my wife to have a different opinion than I do, and I want my children also have different opinions because I can learn from them. Now, the question that you have to ask is how can we love, learn, and lead each other? Yes, how can a wife lead a husband biblically from a submitted position? My wife has leadership skills. She is my number one discipler, as I've said in many other podcasts. And if she can't lead that way, well, then I don't benefit from her leadership as she humbly leads from behind, discipling me, helping me to become a better person because she sees things differently. She is different from me. Point number six, every spouse has different opinions, preferences, ideas. The question is, how can you love? How can you learn? How how can you lead where you need to be leading? Number seven, your children. They need to see your unity while learning from your disunity. You, your, your home is a laboratory. Your home is the most powerful shaping influence as far as other people are concerned, as far as other people influencing you, your family. Uh, you have a wonderful opportunity for maybe 18 to 20 years, depending on how long your children stay in your home. But what they need to see above all else, they need to see the unity in your home, and they need to learn from your disunity. Now, if one of the spouse spouses is really pulling the other way, well, then you have to learn how to humbly work harder uh, to show unity with uh, within the home. You, you need to learn how to be reviled and not revile in return. You need to learn how to turn the other cheek. You need to, you need to learn the things that in fact, I would encourage you to read First Peter chapter 2. Start in verse number 21 and read through chapter 3, verse number 7. That's 221 through 3-7 in First Peter, and I'll leave it, leave it right there. Number 8, teach your children conservative biblical values according to their age. And so just bring them along with what you believe. Now, you, you can't, if they're two, three, four, five years of age, you, you want to be careful how you bring them along because you don't want to, uh, you don't want to bring your marriage problems into their little lives. And so you just teach them. But as they get older, you can begin teaching them your perspective on more complex ideas as appropriate for their age. Train them to know how to engage differing opinions. If you can't have a different opinion, if you can't engage your spouse with a different opinion, then you're not going to be able to teach your children how to engage anybody with a different opinion. You're not going to be able to teach them to engage other ideas if you can't do it yourself. So consider the age of your child. Bring them along carefully. Now, number nine, I want you to understand the motivating, shaping influences of your spouse, not your children, but of your spouse. How did your spouse get this way? What has shaped her or him to believe what he or she believes and why they are reacting to, let's say, conservative teaching? Uh, for example, if you have a—I'll use an illustration here—if you have a wife who was reared by an authoritarian or angry or abusive father, then this outcome, which is really common— by the way, and passive fathers can shape children this way as well. But what 
inevitably happens is that these are powerful shaping influences, either the passive father or the angry authoritarian father, and they can shape their children in such an adverse way that the children react to it and they refuse to submit to any biblical authoritarian structures. And what they succumb to is a self-reliant worldview and practice. They become self-reliant people because they're not going to submit to anyone else because of the horrific shaping influences in the early part of their year, uh, childhood, lives, uh, from 0 to 10, for example, 0 to 15, especially 0 to 10. And uh, it's like cement that sets in the early years of their life. And if the dad was authoritarian, powerful, angry, or passive, uh, they won't put themselves up under those kinds of authoritarian uh, structures, and they carve out a self-reliant worldview. I have a link here on self-reliance, and I would encourage you to uh, read the article, watch the video, look at the mind map there. There's a very important mind map about self-reliance. Number 10, are you political-centered political or or Christ-centered? What is the difference? Are you caught up in the hysteria of our current political culture? It's easy to be amped up, and you can get amped up like the frog in the kettle that you turn the heat up on the kettle, and the frog doesn't realize he's boiling until he boils to death. Uh, there can be such a slow amping up of the political climate, and, and you get caught up in that, that you don't realize that until it becomes a heightened issue with you, until you become more political centered than Christ-centered. And so are you overly amped up about this, these issues in our culture today? Number 11, how have you contributed to the division in your marriage? When you look at the log in your eye, what do you see? And what are the practical and appropriate steps for you to change? And so you want to take your soul to task and address the issues in your own heart. Maybe you have blown it in the early part of your marriage, or maybe you're blowing it now and your wife doesn't want to submit to you. And so as you address the log in your eye, and then finally number 12, who are your soul care companions who are willing to come alongside you to help you mature in Christ? Episode 145, my spouse is teaching our children different political opinions. You have been listening to Life Over Coffee with Rick Thomas. If you have a question for Rick, you can let him know by sending him a note through his website, rickthomas.net. That's rickthomas.net. Thanks for listening. Enjoy your coffee.